one out of five women say that they don't work out because they experience pain associated with their breasts. To me, again, that is a staggering statistic, especially when you think about the, the rate of obesity in the, in the U.S. And here's again, here is this group of women who have flat out said, if you give me a solution, I will potentially utilize that. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths that people take in life. I quickly just wanted to say thank you so much to those of you supporting the show through Patreon. It means so much to me that some of you guys have already gone out of your way to help support the show on there. Um, it's just awesome. So we are now at 14 supporters on Patreon. As soon as we get to 15, so the very next person to give will be entered into a raffle to possibly win one of two free t-shirts that I'll be raffling away to Patreon supporters. So if you're the next person to give, you might win one of those shirts. Just go to patreon.com slash half hour intern if you would like to support if you can't remember that just go to the half hour intern website and uh there will be links to it from there on to today's episode so today's episode is really fun because we get to talk about boobs the whole time and who does not like talking about boobs so on the episode i have elise k who is the founder of bloom bras which is a a startup basically for sports bras for large chested like well endowed women of which Elise is one of of which ironically enough my sister is one of and my sister had a lot of questions that she wanted to submit for this episode that I got to ask Elise for her because as Elise was telling me and then my sister was reiterating it is a real struggle um, trying to exercise comfortably if you are a large chested woman it is just not easy. And and you heard that statistic in the cold open about one in five women either not exercising or not exercising to the extent that they would because of the pain associated with it. Um, I mean, that's just sad and terrible. And, um, And Elise talks about in the episode that that all of the main bra manufacturers have basically said, look, we're just going to stick to kind of like the A cup through D cup market. So Elise decided, you know what, I need to do something about this. I mean, I'm in this de- I'm in this demographic as is. I have to suffer because nobody else is really doing anything about this. And we just kind of have to like jerry rig things together, like putting two sports bras on top of each other or, you know, other types of weird, uncomfortable things. So she's like, I'm going to go ahead and take it upon myself to develop a bra for women like me. And that is what she did and she launched the whole thing on kickstarter a couple weeks ago and and i want to say just like a week or something raised over twenty thousand dollars on kickstarter for this project which is absolutely amazing so if um if you would like to support her or if you wanted to get one of these bras the kickstarter goes on for uh probably about another five or six days after this episode airs um so just go to uh again the half hour intern website there will be a link to her kickstarter page and if you support on kickstarter you end up getting basically a $20 discount on the bra if you wanted to get one of these bras. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess that's all I'm going to say about that. Without further ado, here is independent bra designer. Elise, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into what the Bloom Bra is and the whole design of it and stuff like that, why don't you first tell us about your inspiration for making Bloom Bras to begin with? Absolutely. So My inspiration for Bloom Bras was I could not find a sports bra that fit. I tried everything that was out there. As an active woman who has been blessed uh, and well-endowed, I tried every sports bra that was on the market and could not find one that fit. So I did what many women do, which is make my own. So it started off with me wearing two or three sports bras at a time, or an underwire bra underneath a sports bra. That sounds awful. It was horrible, uh, but there was no other solution. And um, when I ran my first half marathon, I I wore an underwire bra under a sports bra, and I had no skin left from the underwire and the hooks digging in. And I thought to myself, there has to be somebody out there that's working on something. So I wrote this business plan in 1999 and had been sitting back waiting for somebody to do something. and. Finally got to a point where I said, all right, 
if nobody else is doing this, I'm taking it on myself. And so it's been a labor of love. I've been working on this for many, many years, countless prototypes. And it's, for me, it was important to create something that was adjustable, comfortable, breathable, and didn't feel like I was wearing a suit of armor. Yeah, for sure. So it's really interesting to me that you mention like your your first thought being like, oh, somebody else has got to have tackled this problem by now. You know, like somebody has got to be working on this. And then you go to find out that it doesn't seem like anybody is working on this. So I, I was trying to like put myself in your shoes and wonder like what I would be thinking about all that. And part of me would think, I guess, like, okay, if this doesn't exist yet, but I feel like it's needed maybe there's actually like not really a market for this. Like if there's a market for something, somebody's going to have already created it. The other thing I'd be thinking is like, holy crap, I'm the first person to think of this. Like I need to start making this. Like which one of those did you lean more towards? Were you like, ah, maybe it's, maybe there's just not really a demand for it. Or were you like, wow, like I need to move on this because I could be the first one to do it. So it's actually both. So I've spent my career in product development. So I've built brands large and small. I've, I've, worked on some amazing projects bringing true physical product to market. So I know the challenges. I know the blood, the sweat, the tears that go into it, the financial obligation, which is why I never wanted to do it on my own. That being said, uh, I started doing the research and I found out just how many women there are out there that had the same problem that I have. And in the world of social media, it's pretty easy to find out what these women are doing, what their solutions are, how they're shopping. And I, I gave it many years of thought and finally just said, okay, this is the time I want to do this. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going all in and I'm, I'm going to hire the best in the business and I am going to make this project my heart and soul, which I've done. So just to give you, just to give you some statistics to, uh, you know, to, to play around with. The average bra size in the U.S. has risen from a 34B 20 years ago to a 34 double D in 2013. What? That's incredible. Right. And that's in 20 years. So when you think about how many women are affected by having a large chest, and that's growing, by the way, no pun intended there, but that number continues to rise. Um, and that's that to me was staggering. All of the major athletic companies have come out and said that they do not want to work with this market. They are going to focus in on the traditional A through D cups, which means to me that there is a huge untapped market and I'm a part of that market. So I sympathize, I empathize and uh, continue to want to to take this market and, and embrace it. So we've got big plans to grow beyond the sports bra. But for me, that was the most important thing because that was something that I couldn't find. So just some more statistics out there. Uh, One out of five women say that they don't work out because they experience pain associated with their breasts. To me, again, that is a staggering statistic, especially when you think about the number of uh, the, the rate of obesity in the in the US. And here's again, here is this group of women who have flat out said, if you give me a solution, I will potentially um, utilize that. And so for me, again, the statistics were telling that this was the right time for me to go after this market. These statistics are honestly blowing my mind. I, I I can't believe that somebody hasn't then gone after this market yet. I for man, first of all, that what you said about the average breast size now being uh what was it, a double D? A yeah. thirty-two double D? Thirty-four double D. Thirty-four double D. Like that's that's unbelievable. I I wonder what the median breast size is. Like I wonder how much that average is being thrown off by women that have like size K boobs or something. You know. Well, it, it, right. And to me, that's it, it's a good question. It's something that I haven't been able to get to the answer on. Uh, but that being said, these women are they're they're upset. They're frustrated. Yeah. They can't find something. Uh, the people who have gone after this market have not created, I believe, the right solution. 
Um, I'll give you some additional information. So one of the things that was really interesting to me as a woman is just how bad underwire is. So your lymph nodes, which are, if you, if you can picture it, it's they're, they're basically on the side of your body, just underneath your armpit, which is exactly where underwire cuts in. Your lymph nodes need to drain. That's Your toxins are flowing, especially when you're working out. Um, toxins backing up lead to things like breast cancer and other terrible diseases. There's a ton of research out there that that supports that, but it's not really being talked about. The second thing is, is you're putting underwire, which is a conductor of radioactive waves next to your body in the day of cell phones, other Wi-Fi devices. So again, to me, underwire, bad. So finding a solution that doesn't have underwire, if you have weight, if you have to bear weight, so again, think about the weight that's in a triple D breast, that's a lot of weight for no underwire. So I wanted to create a solution there. Another thing that was that was really important to me, at least, is the average female body changes about 10% per month just with natural weight gain and loss, um, hormones, time of the month. You eat some salty food, you're working out. Our bodies are constantly changing. So again, for B cup, not that big of a deal. For a triple D, that's a full cup size. So I wanted to create something that was adjustable and uh, and that could change both with your body changing as well as type of an exercise. So for me, I'm a runner, but I'm also a yoga instructor. And so I don't want to have to wear a different sports bra for different exercises and different things in my life. Right. I, I, this is all, uh, this is all just like so interesting and so unbelievable to me. I, I really like that you bring up the, the point about underwire and lymph. I feel like, I feel like lymph is going to be like the hot topic of the rest of 2016 or like 2017 or something. Like, I feel like we're finally wising up to just how unbelievably important your lymph system is um, at, at keeping you healthy and keeping you disease free and, and keeping you from just getting a common cold or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, if you have something as as silly as your your bra, like keeping your body from cleaning itself out, that's that's awful. That's just terrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, there's more and more research that's coming out. A lot of this research has been, um, I would say, swept under the rug. It's not something, it means changing an industry and nobody wants that. And there's some big money behind that. So um, for me, it's about, I, I'm i trying to live my life as healthy as I can here and there as I, uh, <laughs> as I, as I look at my chocolate bar across the table. Uh, but no, it's it's about making these small differences in the way that we live our lives. And we keep putting more uh, more toxins out there. So it's important to me to make sure, again, that that um, whatever we can do to uh, create healthier products and healthier way of of living that we do that. Yeah, for sure. So I will obviously be placing um, a link on the post on the half hour interim website um, with to to your Kickstarter with the video of the bra and uh, like your site with photos and this and that. But if if you just want to quickly go over like audio for us of what the design of the bra is exactly so people can try to like wrap their heads around what you've created. Absolutely. So it is um it features a patented lifting strap as well as cinching undercups. So again, it can customize to your body. Uh, then a zipper in the front. That was really important to me because I wanted no hardware on the back. Then Why is that? So again, as a yogi, if you're laying down, it's uncomfortable having hooks dig in. Plus, it's so... It is the most cumbersome thing to get a sports bra on and off, uh, especially if you exercise a lot, you know, if you get hot and sweaty. So I've got most of my sports bras have four or five hooks in the back. Getting those hooks to actually clip, very difficult. So and then all the adjustments. Also, I wanted that in the front. The back is a full mesh panel. 
all breathable mesh, very high tech. I worked with several material specialists down at NASA. So I do on, you know, in my other life, I do quite a bit of work down there. And so it was important to me as I was developing this bra that we weren't using the typical materials that are used in sports bras today, that we were creating something that could support a heavier weight. And so I started looking at materials that were being used in aerospace, that were being used in shipping, that were being used in other industries that were not um, typically used in athletic wear. That uh, that all makes a lot of sense. So, in I've obviously watched your your video and checked out pictures and stuff like that. So, just to try to like clarify on some of these points for people. So, um, it, it looked like the bra. What is the actual like the main portion of the bra made out of? That looked like neoprene. Is that it correct? Is, it's, it's a yes. It's a it's a type of neoprene. It's a compression material, but it's it's all breathable. Um, so that serves as the I, I call it the shelf. <laughs> um, so that serves as a shelf to hold the breasts up while you're moving. Then we've got a cinching cup. So again, it adjusts to your size. And then we've added elements of mesh for design because nobody nobody wants to wear a suit of armor when they're working out. And so many of the bras that are out there today, they're just, they're quite frankly, they're ugly. And they make you feel like you're you're wearing some sort of medieval torture device. So for me... <laughs> There's tons of research that shows that if you feel like you look good, you're more apt to work out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know that is the case for me. So, yeah. Um, And then... And then the zipper portion, I, I feel like a lot of people would think like, oh, well, that could pinch my skin or, oh, it's going to be really cold on my skin or something like that. It looked like that was like a plastic. It basically looked kind of like a wetsuit in the front. Like that was like a plastic zipper and the neoprene was under it anyway. So it's nice and comfy. So actually, the the zipper doesn't even touch your skin. There's a neoprene, sorry, neoprene backing behind the zipper. It's a metal locking zipper. So again, this was all done with so much thought behind it because we have to bear a lot of weight and it's all coming into the front. So my goal was in most sports bras and bras in general, the band that goes underneath, it carries most of your weight. It carries the onus of the weight of the breast. So for me, it was important to get a lot of that weight off of the breast and pull it into your back, pull it into uh, the shelving system and distribute it evenly throughout your body. So for me, I've got divots in my shoulders from years of wearing bras and sports bras. That's incredible. Yeah. And so again, it was important to get that weight distributed evenly. Um, in addition to that, like I said, we wanted to use breathable materials because as you're working out, you want this bra to expand with your body. We don't want that zipper to be affected by that. I also was very, very, very cognizant that Velcro is, it's just, it's a terrible material for a sports bra, but it's the cheapest one. It's the one that's easiest. Uh, So there's bras out there that use Velcro. Any woman who's ever tried a sports bra with Velcro will say it gets caught in your hair. You can't put it through a a washing machine, which for me, that was another thing when we were thinking about the design was the durability of it. Um, I do. I wash my sports bras in with my laundry. I am not separately hand washing them, which is part of the instructions. Uh, so for me, I wanted to create something that actually is going to last. All right. So Elise, I have a few questions that I want to pepper in here that come from actual women rather than coming from me. And uh, some of them came from my sister. I, 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 Since I knew I was going to be interviewing you, I had to reach out to my sister because she is in the exact demographic of people that would use your product. Um, so I, I showed her the video and the pictures and everything. And I was like, what sorts of questions do you have? Um, because it's something that she could really use. So um, for one... She would like to know, does it actually keep the breasts stationary or do they still move around much during physical activity? They, so it keeps them stable, but you want your breasts to be moving a little bit. Uh, when you're working out, it's, it's actually very important that your breasts keep moving. So many sports bras that are out there squish and that's actually really bad for the breast. You need, again, you need your lymph nodes to keep flowing. 
So the what's great about the design is that it lifts them and it allows them to move in a, I would say, less than bouncy fashion. Uh, it keeps them stable, but it keeps them in a natural position. Yeah, it lets them move, but it's not some just like crazy earthquake sort of thing. Right, right. So again, our goal was to hold the breast in a natural position and uh, let the blood keep flowing. Okay, cool. Um, another question that she had is, it is can it be worn all day as a regular bra if you wanted to? Absolutely. I wear mine all the time. Uh, I've. It, it's funny because... For me, it was also about being comfortable. So I'm so used to wearing nine to five, wearing a a typical bra, but I wanted to create something that I could wear underneath clothes. I could wear underneath um, a top if I'm working out or I'm not one of these people, but if you're bold enough to go out in a sports bra, um, that it looks really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another question that she had was, how did you test it and on um, what size chest women, chested women and like what sort of activities were they doing and stuff like that? Right. So we've tried it on a very wide variety of women uh, doing every type of activity from running to Zumba to yoga. Um, I personally, I, I, I don't normally publicize, but since we're talking about it, I am a I'm a 32 G, which uh you know, is is a smaller frame with a larger chest. Um, so I've tried every type of exercise wearing the bra myself. I've watched countless women now trying each exercise in a wide variety of shapes and sizes. We're really excited to get our next round of, of samples in. So part of the reason for the Kickstarter, our Kickstarter is threefold. One is raise money. That's That's our... That's the goal of any Kickstarter. Number two is to raise awareness. And number three is to see where this product is resonating. So for instance, right now, most of our samples that we've got are built more for um, a specific frame. But as we as we raise money, we can keep expanding and get a much wider range of samples in to test on even more women. So right now our sizes go from a 30 double D up into a 44 K. Um, our ultimate goal is to eventually bring that down in sizes as well. And to address the women of, uh, you know, the smaller sizes and we're getting so much reaction. One of the, uh, one of the great things about the design is uh, I do a lot of work in the breast cancer community. I lost my grandmother to breast cancer years ago. It's in my family. I have several dear friends who have um, joined the Survivor Network, which is amazing. And so when I was working on the design, we were talking a lot about how there's no solution for people who've had non, uh, non-elective reconstructive surgery, so breast cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. And that there's fluctuation. So your your breasts are not always the same size. Um, one is oftentimes real, one is not. Or uh, again, uh, there's challenges with limited mobility. They are told not to wear underwire and they need something that's breathable. So one of the things we're doing is working with the breast cancer community. So for instance, on our Kickstarter, if people are donating and they don't want the bra, Uh, we're donating that to a breast cancer survivor. So that network has been amazing. And I can't wait to get more involved with them as we actually go into production. Yeah, that's so great. That's so awesome. Um, So Elise, you mentioned that you worked with some awesome designers. You worked with some people at NASA, stuff like that. When you were trying to like nail down the design of the bra, did you ever make any changes just on the advice or thoughts from just other women, like women that you were testing the bra with? Oh, oh my gosh. We've had like, I think we've gone through, I can't even tell you how many prototypes. Uh, It's been, like I said, it's been a labor of love and finding the right materials was a challenge. Finding the right manufacturing partner has been an experience and, and 
you know, I'm, I'm really happy with where we netted out, but I would be lying if I didn't say that we've been working on this for a very, very long time. So I, I originally set out with a certain list of things that I wanted in the sports bra. Some of those became more of a priority. Some of them fell off the list. Uh, and I met with a lot of different designers to try to bring my vision to life. Eventually, I tied up with a woman named Camilla Huey, who does corsetry work for people like Oprah, Wendy Williams, Katy Perry. She does all the opera singers and the ballerinas. And we started talking about some of the challenges with women who actually need to be able to move while wearing a a device that holds you up. And in this case, again, one that would bear some weight. And I loved a lot of the elements that she brought to the table with her experience. And so what a perfect person to work with that she has to help out Katy Perry for stage shows and stuff. Like you want to talk about like, you know, a lot of movement and doing a lot of stuff and needing to keep your boob from like flying out of your bra while you're doing a Super Bowl halftime performance or something, you know, so. Or like think of opera singers who have to, you know, use their diaphragm and, and they can't be constricted for their breath, but yet they're wearing these very elaborate corseted costumes. To me, that was, it was such a natural fit. And she and I immediately just hit it off and it went, it it went much faster from there on out because she understood some of the engineering challenges that went along with this. And me, for me personally, I also wanted to make sure that um, that my my visions of the way that it looked and the way that it felt could be addressed with materials. So, like I said, we worked with um, some amazing advisors down at NASA to look at different materials and ways that the body moves. I am not a scientist. I am not a doctor. I don't claim to have uh, that background, but I do know that I surround myself with as many smart people as I possibly can find. That sounds like it's worked well for you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the price point and trying to decide on that and trying to lower it and trying to work on it. Um, so another thing that that came a little bit from my sister and so the, you're that you're the first person that makes any sort of clothing that i've ever had on the show but i've had other people that make things on my show and it's always such an interesting discussion trying to learn like how to settle on a price point and like how do we actually make this affordable for for like a regular everyday person you know um and so my like and that's exactly who my sister is she's just like a, a middle class working mom and uh And so, like, I guess, how do you try to, I understand, like, how phenomenally expensive it is to, to, like, produce a quality item, um, and to have to, you know, pay people at NASA, pay this designer, this, like, celebrity designer woman, woman, um, have all, like, really high quality stuff, like the neoprene and all these other things, like, that, costs a significant like so much money so how when you've invested so much money into this thing are you like okay like we need to get this under a certain threshold so that a regular middle class woman can buy this and it's not just a bunch of women that live in san francisco well so that was actually you're you're spot on so for me we did a lot of research into the market to see where where sports bras you know what the cost is um we did the same thing with manufacturers. Quite frankly, I've been talking to manufacturers all over the globe. Ideally, we would have loved to have manufactured in the U.S. Uh, the costs that came in from the U.S. are what most sports bras retail for. And I couldn't do that to my... I, I would never pay for that. And so I would never ask my, my soon-to-be consumers uh, to pay for that either. But I did want something that was high quality. And again, we are using materials that are built to last. And so uh, the price point is $99. we are selling it on Kickstarter as a presale at $79, which is right in line with 
some of the, I would say, the more supportive bras that are out there. Uh, women who have larger chests, like I said, a lot of us were wearing two or three sports bras at a time. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this is something that, you know, it's it's in line with where the market is today. My ultimate goal is to keep putting out high quality products that are accessible for the middle class. Um, it's not the cheapest sports bra that's out there, but it's also one that, like I said, addresses so many key needs and um, and it's not and, just this quick, easy thing to make. Like you're you're having to really go out of your way to to fulfill all those needs. It's been a year of talking to manufacturers, and I'm telling you, I, we've talked uh, to manufacturers in so many places at this point in time. So nailing that down was so imperative to me before we would even start talking about the product to. Uh, to the world, because I want to be able to deliver. I want to be able to understand um, how we get this out there quickly and how we get this out to the masses. My ultimate goal is I want every woman to be able to wear a bloom bra, and I don't want price to be the hindrance there. I want it to be something that's accessible. With this first round of bloom bras that you're doing right now was that hundred dollar price point kind of like the tipping point as it were was it was that like really strong in your head like we need it to be under 100 dollars. so like whatever we can do it needs to be sub 100 dollars. yes and that's also why for me again it's it's imperative on the kickstarter for instance we're selling uh, we did our our initial goal was twenty thousand dollars and we sold $20,000 $20,000 in, in bloom bras and, and in donated bras in, um, in 82 hours. So to me, that's so you, crazy. You've struck a nerve. Uh, I'm getting so many amazing, amazing, amazing responses and emails and Facebook messages and Instagram posts from women all over the country, as well as all over the globe who are really excited about what we're doing. So again, I don't think that the price point is right now. It shouldn't scare people off. Um, I don't think that it'll change, but obviously we're always trying to find ways to improve the product and to get it out to more people. So let's say there's anybody listening or for someone like my sister that maybe has a little bit of sticker shock to a $99 sports bra and again yeah like you, you could get them 79 dollars right now through the kickstarter but let's say at the 99 dollar uh proposed retail price how often would a bra that's this quality need to be replaced so if i'm like okay you know what this is really going to help me out i'm going to go ahead and drop 99 dollars on this how long should this bra last me well i'll say this i'll use an example um most sports bras they tell you if you if you if you read into the research, uh, most sports bra companies tell you you need to replace it every six months. I can't speak to I can't speak to how often you'd want to replace a bloom bra. I have sports bras in my personal collection that I've had for ten plus years, so I can't speak to that. What I'm hoping is is that people understand the quality and that they. When they wear it, the reaction that we're getting from every woman that has tested it, every woman to a T, has been, wow, I've never I've never felt something like this. It's the most comfortable bra that I've ever put on my body. Uh, I don't want one. I want three. It, that reaction shows me that people, the price tag shouldn't scare people off. Um, it's the feeling that's going to keep bringing them back in. Um, I do a lot of work, like I said, in product development. So I use this example of planned obsolescence. So when my parents got married 45 years ago, they received a coffee maker. That coffee maker was made out of steel. It was a workhorse. And 45 years later, that coffee maker is still in use at their home. If I go and I buy a coffee maker today, I can walk into a local mass merchant or go online and buy one for 25 bucks. 
And in six months time, when it breaks, it's okay, I throw it away, I get another one. We are doing such damage with that planned obsolescence. Um, we've cheapened all of our products. We have, as consumers, we're paying for the ability to throw things away, which is both not economically smart as well as very environmentally damaging. Um, for me, I want to build products that last. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to your point about damaging, it, it's it's very damaging just to the the psyche of a consumer that then sees a really high quality product and has sticker shock on it. And it's like, well, honestly, you shouldn't have sticker shock on that at all because it's a high quality product and it costs a lot of money to make high quality products. And, and we get so detached from that because... You know, let's say you can go to to like Kmart or something and get a pair of like Lee jeans for twenty dollars, you know, and right. then you have like an American manufacturer in your city that's making jeans for like one hundred and eighty dollars, and it's like, oh my god, you guys are price gouging like one hundred and eighty dollars for a pair of jeans. It's like, why don't you go and try to make a pair of jeans and tell me how much money it costs you to put together oh, a pair of jeans? It's a lot yeah, of money. Absolutely. Well, and and again, for me, it was. It was understanding where, um, you know, where we could play. I mean, my original, my original costs that came in were, like I said, in the U.S., would have made this bra well, well, well over $200. And I said, well, I would never bring a product like that to market. So, um, yeah, it is. It's about finding quality. I would not put something out there that didn't use the materials that uh, that could support, and uh, again, it's 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 about your health. Yeah. And we spend so much time and money trying to look good, and we're putting harmful products on our body. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, at ninety nine dollars, you're gonna maybe spend that on like two months at a gym membership, or if you live in San Francisco, on like three weeks of a gym membership. Right. And- right you know, you can wear that bra every single time you go to the gym for the next, you know, maybe 10 years or something like that. And, and to that point about like, how often would this need to get replaced? And you were saying like, well, I have some sports bras that I've had for about 10 years. And those are regular sports bras made out of regular stretchy materials. And just from a guy that wears like boxer briefs that have elastic in them, the like elastic things always always manage to get like worn down pretty quickly by your washing machine and stuff like that. But you know what doesn't get worn down quickly is like wetsuits. Like I live, you know, in California, I have a lot of friends that surf and stuff and people have wetsuits that are like 15 years old and they still work absolutely perfectly like neoprene and zippers and stuff like that. Like those just don't really wear out, you know, like it's it's great. The the components of of the bra that you have are not really components that wear down easily. Absolutely. And again, that all of that went into our design and, you know, it's, it's been a, a passion project for me for so long. I wasn't, I didn't want something that didn't a hundred percent fulfill my vision. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, business side of this a little bit. So talk about spreading the word and trying to raise money. You, you just kind of dropped like what went down with your whole Kickstarter and how unbelievably successful it was. And I'm sure that maybe there's people listening to this that have had like a, something on Kickstarter and they did not have a response like that. Uh, what was your strategy there in trying to raise money for this? So for me, uh, Kickstarter was a great platform. We, uh, it's an interesting time. So I don't, going back 10, 15, 20 years ago, I don't think we would have ever been able to get the word out so quickly. But I think, like I said, we've struck a nerve with, with people and it's been a really interesting journey. I consider myself a social media dinosaur. So I turned 40 this past weekend. Congratulations. And, thanks. Thanks. Yay. Um, so this is what I've, you know, some people decide to um, buy a nice car. I decided to launch my dream project. Love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a funny experience. And so, one of the things with social media is that it's all about spreading the word, and it's all about hitting up your network, your personal network, your extended network, and tapping into other people's networks. And that has been 
something that's so out of my comfort zone but it's been it's been a really fun experience. I mean, we had we've had over a hundred thousand people engage with our Facebook page in two weeks. That's so that's absolutely unbelievable. Right, but again, it's it's been this like crazy. I and I, I say this from the bottom of my heart. I have cried. I'm not a crier. I've cried out of positive emotion more times in the past two weeks than I could ever imagine. I mean, this has been just the most amazing, amazing experience. Watching that Kickstarter, watching that number going up and up and up and up. I didn't sleep for three days because I was, I was rocking back and forth saying, Oh my gosh, this is actually really happening. Yeah. Um, so now we're at a point where, you know, I, I want it to keep going viral. I want it to, our ultimate goal is to raise a hundred thousand dollars. Um, that covers our material cost for our first order, our patents. So we've got provisional patents in place. We've got utility patents that were that are being filed as we speak. All of that takes so much money. And I don't want this to be about money, but Kickstarter is a great way to uh, to get people involved and to give them a reward. So a, a broad a discount opportunity to donate those bras opportunity to to quite frankly support a project that people believe in yeah absolutely do you think that there is an amount of um virality or stickiness to your business and these posts and your facebook and your kickstarter uh because it's related to boobs because like everyone loves boobs, you know? Uh, so boobs? yeah, it's just like something I feel like the people want to share. And it's like a story that any news outlet would want to talk about um, because it's boob related. Right. Well, and, and so it comes down to really resources. So for me, I am, I am a one man team with amazing, amazing, amazing people who have been helping out and who have been, uh, who have been more than going out of their way to help build this brand. My, my team of amazing friends and family and interns who want to be a part of something. It's just, it's been an astronomical experience. Yeah. That's so great. I love it. Um, so what happens next? You talked a little bit about, um, like now that you've hit your goal, uh, well, you, I mean, you've already hit your goal. The Kickstarter is still going, which it like people should try to help contribute, um, to just like yes. make this thing even bigger and better. Um, but like what, what, once the Kickstarter closes down, which is going to be in what, like a week and a half from now or so? Yeah, two weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens like the day after your Kickstarter is done? Like, what are you going to be doing? So buying materials, um, we are we are actually ready to go into production, but we need samples. Um, all of that takes money. We need samples so that we can start getting it out to the media, so that we can start getting out to outlets, letting more and more people try the product, as well as shipping out the orders that we've already got. Um, we'll continue to take orders from individuals and Again, we need marketing dollars to make this, to get this, the word out about the product. Um, Everything takes money, unfortunately, and it takes time. So our next steps are pretty well laid out. It's get samples, go into production. Our first orders will ship in December. Um, That's, to me, that is very exciting. It's right around the corner. Uh, but then it's, how do we keep growing this? We've got some pretty great plans for where we're going next, which markets we're going after, how we're going to build on the design. Um, I don't see this slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but again, it's taking these initial steps. What we've been able to accomplish in two weeks time has been beyond my wildest and, I'm so excited to see where it goes from here. I, I, what you've done in two weeks is, is absolutely amazing. Like I, uh, like seriously, congratulations. It's, uh, I, it's like, uh, it's honestly unthinkable. Like it's so cool what you've done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, um, it's, it's amazing to me. Like I said, I, I, 
I am overcome with emotion so frequently lately just because it's it's really happening. Like I said, it's it's been many years coming and building, but now to put the vulnerability out there to actually show people and to see what the reaction's been, it's been um, truly amazing. Yeah, what an exciting time. Um, so Elise, let's talk about like the lessons that you've learned from this whole process and then we'll wind this thing down with some advice for people. So, um, what has been your biggest struggle throughout this entire process? Like the last, whatever, 14 years uh, from just like concepts to, um, working with designers to whatever. And then what's like the biggest lesson that you think that you've learned over all of this? So, I mean, there's, I have, I'll start with, I'll start with this. Uh, the best business advice I've ever gotten was stay the course. Don't get distracted. Uh, for me, I kept waiting for the right time to do this. And finally, it got to a point where I realized there was never going to be the right time to do this. And that if I didn't just take the calculated jump, um, that I'd be sitting here staring at that business plan for the next 10 years of my life. Yeah. And I would say that some additional advice, if I could give any, is surround yourself with smart people. Because again, in building this every day, I have learned so much, but I've learned it from trial and error. And I've learned it from surrounding myself with people who've been there, who've done that, and who are willing to pass along that advice as well as uh, help to support. So that's been the most, uh, the thing that I can't stress enough is uh, when you go after something, go at it full force, but don't get distracted and um, surround yourself with the best of the best. What's those are both really nice positive sort of pieces of advice. What what was what was like the biggest struggle that you've had during this entire time? Financial. Uh you know, you look at your finances and you say, "Okay, well, I've got I've got so much in the bank, right? I've got this much that I can live off of. I've got this much that I knew that if I did this, if I didn't go all in, then I wasn't going to be able to fulfill my vision. And it was important to me that if I was going to do this, I I did it properly. And so the financial piece has always been the scariest. Um, and then the, the, the questioning and the self-doubt, what if people don't like this? What if the product doesn't live up to expectations? What if I put this out there and nobody wants it. What yeah. if, what if <laughs> it's so funny. And then if you're like me, then you get with the, um, what if I'm screwing up the law of attraction right now by asking these what if questions and I'm not going to draw this thing to myself because I'm asking these questions and the law of attraction doesn't like that. Right. Right. I mean, there's a million things that go through your head. You know, there's a, somebody had once told me that those are the vampires that, that haunt you. And so it's important to fend off those vampires because they will come in and they will suck your blood and they will dig into you and they will cause you to not go after something. And when you think about how many people have tried and failed, I mean, we're lucky. You and I are lucky. We live in the Bay area. And so, um, failure here is, is sometimes worn as a badge of honor to show that you tried. And I think that for me, that has been a huge, huge lesson is that if you don't try it, you will not know. And that's something that, again, has always has, has motivated me for the past year as I've been building this. And I'm very, very fortunate that I have an amazing support system here uh, of friends and family who have been encouraging and who have been making sure that when I do have that self-doubt, if I call them at three in the morning, they can talk me off the ledge. 
Um, I'm happy to be that person for any other budding entrepreneurs out there because I'm in the midst of it right now. And there's not a day that has gone by that I don't have those moments where I am paralyzed with fear of, am I messing up? Am I, am I, is this the right thing to be doing right now? Uh, any entrepreneur will tell you that, that it is the right thing to be doing and that you will have those feelings are completely natural and just breathe and get through them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I've gotten a lot of sleep in the past couple weeks. Oh, man, I feel you so much. Yeah, it was so great talking on the phone with you the other day. It's it's always so great talking with someone that is going through something similar to you, you know, or, or trying to do their own thing. And I it, like anything else in life and to your advice of surround yourself with, with great people and surround yourself with smart people. It's also really great to just talk to people who are doing who are also like you know taking a big risk or something like that because like so much in life which is very funny and strange when you hear someone else talking about their thing and then they say like oh but i don't know like what if i fail or whatever it's so easy to look at them and be like oh you're not gonna fail like it's okay you know like they're there and you like pat them on the back and you want to make them feel good and yet meanwhile you're having those exact same concerns in your own head you know like it's uh it's so easy to tell someone else like oh and like see clearly for somebody else but not have that same clarity with yourself um so to be around other people that can kind of have that clarity for you um and let you know that that you are doing the right thing is is great and and uh you know we never know you never know if it, you're doing something right or wrong so um, again, in this day of of social media, I think it's it's a really it's an awesome time to give things a shot. Yeah. Well, uh, we will just end with that. That was uh, some great advice that you gave there. So, Elise, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show and all the info and advice. Um, I will, as I said earlier, put links to the uh, to the Kickstarter and to your site up on the show notes. So, if any of you guys would like to contribute to the Kickstarter, if you're a woman and you would like to get uh, the Bloom Broad at discounted price, you would get that through Kickstarter. Um, if you are a man and you would like to be able to donate one of these bras to a breast cancer survivor um or if you're a woman with smaller boobs or regular boobs or whatever you want to call that uh and you want to donate a bra to a breast cancer survivor you can do that through the kickstarter page um and again that'll all be uh from a link on half hour intern and uh yeah elise thank you so much we really appreciate it thank you Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you told a friend about it to help spread the word about the show. And if you've been listening to the show for a little while and been enjoying yourself, I would really appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes. That's a way that a lot of people learn about new podcasts. And the more reviews and the better reviews that a podcast gets, the more people that that podcast ends up in front of. So that would be a really awesome way to help the show. And if you're sitting there and thinking to yourself, yeah, that's all fine and good, Blake, but... uh what are you going to do to help me out? Well, how about being a guest on Half Hour Intern? That is right. You could totally be a guest on this show. So if you have been sitting there listening to this show and thinking to yourself, you know what? I do this totally awesome thing for a living. Or you know what? I have this awesome hobby that I'm really, really passionate about and I would love to tell people about it. Go to halfhourintern.com and click on the Submit Your Ideas link at the top of the page. And through there, there will be forms that you can fill out to get in touch with me about the possibility of coming on the show and being a guest yourself on the Half Hour Intern podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. 